Hello? Is this, is this thing on? It's the Smoke Signals podcast, and uh, don't get out of your seat. Nothing major has happened. You don't have to stand up, or I guess you can stand up because you're not going to fall over at the news because nothing's happening. You can just stay where you are, bake some cookies. And it may and... help wake everyone. <laughs> yeah, let's not scare anybody. I know any any major news would be a shock to the system after this this lull. It's the uh, the hibernation version of the Smoke Signals podcast. And guys, if you're really quiet, you could hear the sound of absolutely nothing going on in the Major League Baseball offseason other than bad news. You hear that? It's the sound of crap. This is the worst winter ever. I'm Justin Latta. I'm joined by Willie Hood. Joe Koblitz, how are you guys getting along with, with all the rumors and news to keep up with right now? Um, that was at a really exciting Cardinals game a couple of days ago. DeAndre yeah. Hopkins is really awesome, and uh, Kyler Murray, they both got named to the Pro Bowl. Is that what this show's about? Cardinals? Oh, I, th- I thought. Oh, we could talk about Paul Goldschmidt. <laughs> no, those Cardinals? The the Arizona Cardinals. The oh, okay, the Phoenix Cardinals. The Glendale Cardinals. Glendale. Okay. Hey, I hear the Cavs play tonight. They're a team still. It, it took me a couple weeks to figure out basketball was back. You want to know what? I have YouTube TV, and I came and watched uh, the Cavs because I don't have it because they still haven't figured out their deal with the new Sinclair network. That's a whole other mess. I'm, I have, I'm pissed well, about you know, that That's something that happened this week, right? Uh, I thought I saw – I didn't look into it, but that STO is going to be available to purchase on its own without having a cable deal. You can just get yeah, STO. Well, okay. Really sent me that link. What, what, what's what's in that link, Louie, that you sent me? I, I barely read. Yeah, Bally Sports, which is uh, tied to a casino, is going to come out with a sports app that will make STO essentially available for purchase where you can just buy and stream STO standalone by itself, which I think is a really cool alternative. Because if you're a streamer like me or a, a cord cutter like me, you know, you've kind of run out of options except for AT&T, I think, uh, now and AT&T Live TV or whatever it is. Um, but there's not a lot of options at this point. Yeah, so that's fantastic because I know uh, I've been throwing $120 a, a year away on uh, the MLB TV package, but that doesn't work. Like, I can't watch the Diamondbacks in Arizona, but I can watch the Indians. Yeah, you're the only one that can – And if it's – if You're it's less away. than $120, you know, I don't need to watch the Yankees play. I don't care. I don't need to watch. <laughs> I don't need to watch the Marlins. I, I would be, I would rather if it's less than that for the whole season, watch that. And then you could maybe watch some other games. So I think that's good. The MLB's blackout rules are so dumb. It, it makes no sense at all to keep people who are willing to pay for your product from watching it. It, like, it's That's not like, exactly the Major League Baseball operating model. Yeah, it's, Why the heck would we do something that makes sense? It's not like it's free. I mean, like, football is free. I, I can watch two football games at a time twice a day on Sunday every week for free. Just by – I don't have cable. Just turn the TV and on, Sunday. and it's there. Yeah, you can watch the night game too. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, for MLB to be like, no, you can't pay $120 a year or whatever it is 
and to watch the Diamondbacks. You can only pay to watch all the other teams. Yeah, you don't me, care about. <laughs> and then for you guys to, to watch the Indians and Reds and Tigers, depending on where you are, Pirates, like it, it's pretty easy to get blacked out of quite a few teams, uh, depending on your location in the Northeast. So uh, anything they where do, anything they do to break where that I up. Is where I'm at in Ohio, I'm I'm blacked out from the Pirates, the Reds, and the Indians. Now I can watch it on <laughs> STO, but it, but if I have the the hundred twenty dollar package that you're talking about, I get blacked out. It makes no sense to yeah, me. I can't watch any of the games. Yeah, so anything at all is positive to me, and that's kind of like the people. There were some old folks on Twitter the last couple of years when they've given away free games on YouTube or Facebook that would complain. And it's like, just get a Chromecast or something and cast it to your TV and be happy that they're allowing you to watch this. Like, just be happy yeah. it's not blacked out. That That's definitely Major League Baseball. Just be happy with what we're giving you. And the good thing is, the good thing is what they're doing is so you, you, don't, you don't have to worry about watching Major League Baseball in your own market. You also no longer have to worry about watching Minor League Baseball in your own market because I think we now finally have the, the what is it, 100 how many teams got cut from minor league baseball. So not only can you, are you, you know, blacked out and watching your favorite team locally, you can't even go see minor league teams locally because they just ripped all those away. That's fine. No, they did, but so, they didn't take any of the, uh, they only took the scrappers out of Ohio and how many people were actually going to those games. <laughs> I can't. 2000. If that, yeah. yeah, it wasn't very many people. So, I mean, I, and, and they bumped up Lake County to the, the next level. I think you're going to get, a much improved quality of baseball at every level because mm-hmm. of this. And you, you could take it as negative as you want it because there's fewer teams. But when there's fewer teams, you're going to have better baseball. It's the only way it could possibly go. For the teams that exist. Yes. It's, it's, you're going <laughs> but to. It definitely hurts, definitely hurts the markets like Mahoning Valley. Um, I'm curious, and I'll probably go up and watch some of the college players this year to see what they come up with. Um, but it's the game is evolving. It's just painful to see as a fan, and especially, of course, some of the um, baseball people that work there, you know, that are employed by the scrappers to get hurt. And, you know, I'm curious how the market is going to be after all of COVID and all of this. How many people will be willing to attend the game for a while, even with the vaccines? So, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to get get too far down that road, but um, <laughs> I mean, that's a whole other topic for a whole other well, time, I guess. Well, but back when I was going to, like, I've see, I've been covering the AZL since, like, 2011, two, 2010, 2011. I've been going to games here. And I've seen an extreme drop-off in talent in the entire league over the last, like, four years. And really the only difference is every team is deciding that they need two teams now. Or they need – some of them have three teams. Well, they'll have, like, a team in Montana or Florida. And then they also have two teams here, all rookie-level teams. And – more and more errors, more swings and misses, more extreme stats where you'll have guys do extremely well and other guys do extremely poorly instead of everybody kind of doing okay. And and it's really makes the games not enjoyable. I don't want to see a pitcher come up and strike everybody except the guy he gave up a home run to out. <laughs> you know, it's not that probably because I, 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 that invalidates. I was going to make the argument that you don't see football fans arguing for less football because you saw organizations like the, what was it? The AAFL and the, uh, the XFL all try to make comebacks and, and to give people more football. But what you just said, it, you know, it waters down. Well, the product. I, you know, I do think football there, there is an argument that football could support another league. Uh, 
maybe like a straight out of high school league or something like that. But there are so many more people playing baseball. There's only the 32 football teams. They don't have minor league teams. You know, the arena league and yeah. So there probably are more talented football players out there who could be playing professionally. You know, it's some medium media (laughs) intermediate (laughs) league between high school and pro that isn't the NCAA. And those two products didn't survive. I mean, they only lasted a year and that was it. So maybe that says something about, but they're also trying to, they're trying to turn a profit. Whereas minor league baseball is not. No. And and major league baseball is trying to cut any expenses they can to make a bigger profit. I mean, I know minor leaguers, some minor leaguers are going to get a raise and obviously other ones are going to be without jobs because of all the players that are going to be cut because each, each of the 30 teams has one less minor league affiliate now. At least. Yeah. But, some of them probably lost. Yeah. I mean, the Indians lost yeah. two and gained Mahoning and one an AZL team. Yeah. And then they gained a half of an, a DSL team. Oh, cause they're going to do one, one full DSL. And then the no, they're going to do two again. full. They're going to do two full DSL. They were doing one and a half. Now they're doing two. Oh, it's two full DSL now. Well, that's going to help with the incoming uh, international signing class then because that's yeah, going to be a mess. I don't know where those guys are all going to go. It's tough. I, I'm not worried about the international guys that haven't played yet. I'm worried about the guys who played in the AZL last year and now won't have a place anywhere because they were going to go to – yeah. I'm sorry, not last year. In 2019, they played <laughs> AZL. They should be in Lake County, but – they didn't get to play in Mahoning Valley. It, that's very tough. Uh, it, it could be a mess for years to come <laughs> because of this. I I think that's part of the reason that the Indians are only tied to, I think it's 18 players right now. And, you know, they really have to draw back. You don't need to sign 40 players like they did last year. I think it was 43. Um no need to bring in that volume of talent when you have so many kids already backlogged, so to speak, in the system. Yeah, and I know you wanted to talk about, like, the – the. I mean, not just the Indians, but the entirety of the free agent class is not really that exciting right now. And I think a lot of teams could be waiting for these teams to cut their minor league rosters down because if they do cut from the top, then some of those guys might be major league talent. At least, at least bench guys. So if you if you have to cut thirty guys and you cut ten of them from your AAA roster, those could be a lot of cheap players for other teams to snatch up and try to fill in holes in their roster. So that could be why they're not jumping at the bigger name free agents right now and kind of waiting for the or even like jumping to trade Lindor things like that. They may be kind of waiting to see how things sort out a little bit. Uh, you know, throughout the league, maybe you can get in a stopgap guy for minimum wage. Yeah, I could see that, too. I, I, I don't understand why they eliminated the second complex league teams. Like, I don't know. You should be able to – I think two complex league teams made sense. Like, the Indians had it sorted where it was guys who were a little bit older, maybe a year older, and had some college experience or had played already in the DSL. And then you have the younger ones that are, like, high school gra- draft picks instead of college draft picks. And they sorted between the two of those. I thought that made sense. So I'm not but really sure why they eliminated it's to have a standardized number of minor leaguers in the United States for every team. So they all have the exact same amount of minor leaguers. 
Because in, in oh, a yeah. way, did some teams not have complex? So like, did some yeah. teams just use the Pioneer Appalachian League instead of a complex league team? Yes, and some teams had uh, one team here, and like Cincinnati had only one team here because they had a team in Montana and a team in Florida, and it was like we don't need four teams, so we have three. And some other, and I think the Rockies were the only team that didn't have one in in Arizona. There may have been some Florida teams that didn't have one. I'm not sure. Uh, but, like, the Royals had two. I think the Padres had two. The White Sox, Dodgers. Like, everybody was getting to the point where they had two teams here. And it's just too much. Uh, but but uh, on the standardized numbers, there was an old joke. This is probably 15 years ago, something from The Onion. And it was when – oh, no, it was uh, 2009 when they were signing, like, Teixeira and Sabathia and all those guys. I think that was 2009. Uh, when the Yankees signed all those players, and the joke was the Yankees sign every single player in the league, so or every single starting pitcher in the league, so they can have a different guy go every night, and that no one else would have anyone. And I think that's kind of part of the idea of having a standardized minor league system is that the Yankees can't just sign 500 minor leaguers and be like, you know, you can't have them. We got more money than you. We're just going to hoard everybody and more teams to put them on. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I suppose in a way you could look at that and say that does help uh, suppress wages, but I don't want to get into that. <laughs> well, basically baseball is too busy suing their insurer to get money for <laughs> COVID losses this year. I, which... I, I love that story did so much. That? Did you read this? Did you read the lawsuit? It was yeah. it was something I, I read. I read something in the the text. We don't have to get into COVID stuff, but I read something in the text that said they were suing them because. Uh, particle or COVID or virus particles were attaching to surfaces and causing decay. Oh, I didn't see that. No. <laughs> yeah, they were they were alleging it was it, uh, the virus was damaging property without on the stadium. Huh. Well, no, my thought was like if they did get money back from that and they did not offer to pay the players the money they took from the, or told them they couldn't pay them, that would have been a major issue. Uh, the insurance company apparently said they're not paying out any COVID-related uh, charges. So, oh, they they would they would win that lawsuit and they would not turn around and spend a dime of that. I think we can safely make that connection. They would not make they would not turn around and give that money. Anymore. Well, I know that's but I mean anything you're gonna keep pushing that wedge in between the players and the teams. I think. <sighs> I don't know if it's a positive, but it might be. I, th- I think you've got to kind of keep pushing and pushing and pushing until they actually make some changes. Yeah, I I don't see that happening without a, without a lockout in 2021 but, or 2022. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, we'll probably <laughs> get there. So, so 2020 is 60 games. 2021 is like... 120 games, and then 2022 we get zero baseball. That's that's a good <laughs> that's a that's a good three year linear transition for baseball. Like that's just that's just really good. And oh, and then you know 2023 is the last year the Indians have the the stadium lease with with the city of Cleveland. So that all sets up very nicely. You have half a season, a quarter or three quarters of a season, and then no season. And then you talk about the owner saying. Well, we haven't played a full season in three years, and yeah, our revenue—we already—we already cry that we don't have any money as it is. So that's that's a really good three-year window to look into. I, you know, okay, I I'll guess just, it. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just Very add fun. that Nashville is a growing city. I believe the numbers I recently heard 
was a hundred thousand dollars or a hundred thousand people per month. So I hear they're looking for a team. Well, it, it, the funny thing when Wait. I was in high school, we were talking about how the Indians should change their name because it was offensive, and that they should just move the team to Columbus and just start over. And at this point, out of state might make even more sense. Just do a yeah. It's not, it's, it's not like. It's not like and this, you know, these these minor league teams that got these licenses to be affiliates are signing ten year agreements. So Cleveland affiliates are gonna be locked in for the next ten years after they sign this. And it's not as if Columbus and Lake County and, and Akron and Lynchburg are all that far from Nashville. Like you could easily take a take. <laughs> I don't I think they I I will say, I, in seriousness, I don't think that they will get removed from Cleveland. And if they were to, I, I think it's much closer to expanding to more teams than uh, yeah. attracting or moving teams that exist already. Well, that was the reason Dave Dombrowski took the job with the Phillies, and, and he was the he was kind of the head of bringing a, a baseball team to Nashville. Like he did, he got out of being a GM and working in baseball because he was part of that group that has like. Justin Timberlake and a bunch of other, you know, singers and national natives uh, trying to bring a team there. But then the Phillies hired him away to be their uh, president of baseball operations. But the reason he took it is because he was told expansion is not on the horizon anytime soon. So instead of waiting around for the next couple of years to, to bring a team to, Na- or to Nashville, he went back and worked for the Phillies. So Yeah, and that makes sense because revenue down the league, across the entire league, is down so much at this point that it's time to like batten down the hatches and save as much money as possible. You don't need to be building new stadiums and, and putting all that money into marketing and whatever, trying to create new uh, franchises or moving franchises. Well, there's not that much money going around. Expansion though, is a way to artificially inflate, inflate kind of the, the money in the league. Because if you have, if you have two expansion teams, the expansion owners have to put the money into the revenue sharing. So they have, they have to purchase in, into the, the league, so that money gets distributed to all the owners. I guess so if you, kind of yeah, if you can it. convince the cities to pay for the stadiums or the state to pay for the stadium. That's never been a problem before. It should be, but okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, but uh, all good, all fun stuff. Um, I did a quick, like, post-live, Joe, you were on it. I know, Willie, you were busy. You were, you were on it for a little bit. Rule 5 talk a couple weeks ago. Um, I kind of got all my thoughts out then. So if, if, if Willie, you haven't had a chance to kind of sound off of Rule 5, um, what were your thoughts on, on things that transpired for the Indians Rule 5 as far as Oviedo, Tom, and, and Trevor Steffen? Uh, I'll start with Oviedo. Um, wasn't really surprised to see him go after Toronto took a 19-year-old pitcher a year or two ago. So seeing Oviedo go, and he's only 21, um, don't expect to see him back going to Pittsburgh unless an injury happens or something like that, and then they would be able to stash him. So I, I don't think we'll see him back at all. I think he's going for good. I think Kai uh, Tom is probably gone too. Um, interesting how the how that both of these players were available last year and neither one of them were selected. And I think maybe that's the way teams are viewing the um, end of the roster type of players right now and looking for value. And you have a couple players there that will be locked into roster spots at minimal value. 
I, I think similar to what Joe was alluding to earlier is teams will be able to fill out their benches with some of these players. And I think that's why they grabbed them. Um, I, I tend to think that's probably why Cleveland grabbed Trevor Steffen as well. And, you know, I wrote him up a, a last week and I think that there's potential for a middle reliever, but he's going to have to win a spot in my opinion, with all the other arms that they already have on the roster. I don't think anything is guaranteed for him, um, but he's definitely an interesting arm and I think he has some upside and it'd be interesting to see how Cleveland develops him. Yeah, I don't I don't think Trevor Stefan will have any problems sticking in the bullpen. I think he's got enough good stuff um, to stick in the bullpen, at least for this year, and, and, and at least have a shot early on. And if things go well, they'll hang on. And if not, I don't think they'll have a problem offering him back because they have so many options. Joe, did you have any anything to add on top of that? I know we talked on Periscope about two weeks ago about this. Do you have anything else you want to add on top of that? Well, I think we talked enough about Will Benson and Oscar Gonzalez and all the Connor Maribels. <laughs> uh, I will say on the, the, the guy they got back, uh, they have in the past picked a few uh, guys in the Rule 5 draft, and to my memory, none of them have stuck. And they kind of have used it as a way to bring in extra guys during spring training, uh, like a cheap way to get a spring training invite out of somebody. Matt McBride is one I'm remembering from years ago. Matt McBride, Chris McGinnis. Yeah. The only, only guy that, the only guy that actually hung on, I think he got offered back. The only guy I can remember hanging on for a little bit was Jairo Asensio in like 2011. Yeah. So again, but I think it, he didn't stick around. I, I remember because I, it's always a game for me in spring training to kind of get a roster and see if I can get a picture of every single player. And so I, I, I get Hobie Milner. I get pictures of these guys. Yeah, Hobie Milner was one. Yeah, and and they never make it. Like they always end up getting sent back, or just you know they offered back and they don't even want them. Uh, so yes, he could be part of the bullpen, but I think it's just like their first uh, minor league spring training and. Spring training invitee, you know, just a cheap way to get extra guys in camp. It is. I, I don't have a problem with him using. I I think he has the control and the ability to strike people out. Um, you know, his his grade on on control come out as average for me. But if you really look at the numbers before he had the back injury and when he returned from the back injury, he was putting up above average type of numbers as far as walks go. I know the last start that I watched was against Akron and uh, struggled a little bit against left-handers, but he struck out seven across five innings and walked one guy and gave up one earned run. So, I mean, you know, he, he's really a two-pitch pitcher when it comes down to it, but both of those are above average or better. And, and I'm curious if they differentiate his cutter-slider mix that he has and, and come up with three pitches right there. And, you know, maybe in a couple of years he ends up back in, in rotation. But I think the key is with the, him being a former starter, he may be able to log bulk innings, and that's going to be important this year as they expand the number of innings that the pitchers pitch. So maybe some of the starters are fatigued, and he can come in and give them two or three mm-hmm. innings. You know, I think that's part of their thinking on that, that he's a former starter himself, and he he struck out a lot of guys in the SEC too. So he was on, on a crash course to hit the major leagues until the back injury slowed him down and then he started walking more guys. And, and then obviously 2020 hits and he's not really pitching anywhere. Yeah. And, his, and you can get away with 
lesser command in the bullpen and then have him just focus on two pitches. I think it could work out. I, I think of all the guys they've picked, if you go back to the guys we talked about between McDade and McGinnis, and it's so much harder as a position player, obviously, um, because of the experience level and, and need for playing time. And a lot of those guys usually sit in the bench, but I think for a reliever, it's a lot easier. Oh, yeah. Obviously, I think we, that's the most common one that sticks. But um, I think I think they want to do what they can to not rely on someone like Nick Sandlin or you know any of those guys early on in the season and bring them up slowly. So he might get a chance to stick early in the year rather than because a lot of the guys we talked about outside, like I said, outside of Jairo Senzio, I don't think I, Holy Miller. I don't think he even made it out of spring no. training. I don't think he ever made it into regular season. So I think out of all the guys they've picked from the guys we've mentioned, I think he has the best chance to get to the regular season and stick around for a while since Hiro sends you. I'm interested to see what kind of role they carve out for him and if if the two a two pitch mix can improve his command and, and just you know the relief just the relief role not needing to throw strikes as consistently. And I, I agree with both of you. I, Oviedo's not coming back, and I, it's so easy to stash him, especially for the Pirates. And he looks healthy, and Kai Tom should have been picked last year. I think the only thing we really debated on the show is that, or on, on, the, uh, on the Periscope, we talked about this, was people were mad they didn't protect Kai Tom this year after they let him, left him unprotected last year, but it's, he didn't play this year. Like He wasn't at the alternate site camp. I know he was in uh, the ball instructs, but it's not like he's a different player than he was a year ago. Nothing has changed because teams are probably looking for cheaper bench options. And, you know, I, I think Kai Tom is absolutely an Oakland ace type player. Like he's a perfect fit for that team and, and the kind of skill set he brings that he's going to replace Robbie Grossman as like their fifth or fourth outfielder. So I think the only thing that changed is that you might have a 26 man roster this year. And they didn't know that last winter. And, Teams want cheaper talent, obviously, this year because of the the pandemic and trying to cut costs. So it's not a surprise that that he got taken, but uh, I don't expect either of them to come back. Haven't really seen. I don't know. It's it's. What's the last time either of you saw Francisco Lindor rumor? Has it has it happened since the last time we podcast? No. Has there been an actual? Well, I, news piece. I, I don't watch the news, and I have. I try to stay off Twitter, so. <laughs> I'll, I'll see it when so it you were just out. <laughs> yeah, I was just losing himself in the desert. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll send you a telegram when he's finally traded, which at this point might be like January thirty sixth or whatever. The way things are going. I was, was there, asked the other day. I was asked the other day when I thought he would be traded. And in a normal offseason, I would say before Christmas, this offseason, uh, mid-January, maybe the end of January, who knows? And it feels like owners are sandbagging this, knowing that they're going to shorten the season. And uh, why why be in a hurry to make moves when they know that they still have a few more months ahead? And, man, I feel like I'm the bringer of rain here and just bringing sadness and depression to all baseball fans or all Cleveland baseball fans anyways. But it, it, it seems like um, we're probably not going to have a regular season start until April or May, you know, but I don't think the owners are in a big hurry to do anything. I, I think that's a large part of it. And they've not determined what their, 
what their budgets are probably going to be because they don't know what kind of revenue they're going to have next year. And it's all based on projections and, and all of that. And, and if they can kind of control the dynamic, it gives them more leverage for the CBA after this coming season. But, you know, I, what I, do don't, I, know? I don't see how they could have any excuse in delaying the, uh, the season. I, the, the NFL has been able to keep going. If they, I, I guess I don't follow the NBA, but you're saying the NBA is starting back up. I think the NHL is starting back up. All these other sports are going to start back up or finish their seasons before baseball is supposed to start. If they have more excuses of why they can't play, it's it's got to be labor disputes. <laughs> that, that's the only thing that they really have to argue about. Oh, yeah. It's 100% going to be salary suppression because they're going to – Try to get it down to not 162 games, and they're going to use that to, uh, as two years of lost revenues based on not having or only having half a season last year and whatever they're going to play this year in, in 2021, and they're going to use that to fight against the players in the, in the CBA talks. So that's that's really what it is. They're just arming themselves with with something to go to war with over the CBA, and it's going to get ugly and. It's going to make this year worse than it's going to make this year worse. It's going to make 2022 worse. So doing everything they possibly can to, to make things uglier and, and less enjoyable for baseball fans. Not that there's anything I, to enjoy this winter because I will say nobody has signed. Anywhere. They definitely took a loss this year. There's no way to say that they did not take a loss this year as an organization. And I know every year they come out and say they took a loss and they're probably lying. They're doing some creative accounting and whatnot. Uh, this year they definitely did. So you have to feel for them a little bit on that, but doesn't excuse their behavior because everybody took a loss. So I'll, I'll I'll tag on to what Joe was saying there. And I've heard the only actual revenue that Cleveland makes comes from um, the revenue that's shared from the large market clubs. And from my understanding, that's their margin of profit there. And that's the only profit that they really do make. They, that they operate at a loss but that revenue sharing keeps them from losing money. So if that makes any sense at all, if they're receiving $16 million, then the $16 million is some of that's going in the tank. And then the rest of it is, is pure profit for, for Dolan. He's not getting rich hand over hand, but he is in, in our terms or our concept of what rich is. Now, what rich is compared to some of these other owners, though, that's a whole nother thing. We have teams with $250 million TV contracts and the Indians at, $40 million. You know, it's just ridiculous to have such difference. And, you know, I, I could go down that. But the, the league <laughs> starting is not going to be because the, or, or the league won't delay their start because the Indians aren't ready. It's going to go yeah. like it, that. The difference in money they're getting from TV doesn't make that big of a difference as far as the start of the season. And, and that's part of, that's part of what's playing into the Indians talking about cutting payroll. And then you see, people like Terry Pluto saying that they're rebuilding and just tearing the team down. It makes it sound like they're stripping it back to the studs and there's nothing left or there will be nothing left whenever they get done. And, and it's not quite the truth when they have a farm system that's moving into the top 10 at most places, baseball America, for example, um, I know prospects live covered their prospects a, a few weeks ago and went 53 players. I think, I think it was 53 players deep. Fan graphs went 50 something mm -hmm. players deep. The Indians have uh, a deep, farm system that they can rely on and, and all of this i don't i don't care how you want to look at it retool reset yeah. reimagine the team's going to look different the future 
the future is going to look different. And to me, this was always a transition year for the Indians. It, it just, it was brought on, brought on and, and the button was pushed to, to expedite the process with COVID happening and them losing money last year. And, and they're likely to lose money in 2021, uh, according to what um, Evan Drellich said over at The Athletic, saying that the teams wouldn't receive the um, financial resources again this year. Well, I, I think if you're, if you're a writer or, you know, Pluto or whoever, or a fan, and you're kind of looking at it like, yes, they are re- rebuilding, I think what you're probably looking at is the offense was – Carlos Santana, Francisco Lindor, and Ramirez. And now it's presumably just Ramirez. <laughs> so I could see why you would go, Bobby Bradley wasn't even good enough to be on the team last year. Why would I expect him to be an all-star? You know, Nolan Jones has never played. So I could get that. And I think what they do with Roberto Perez may kind of be a bigger hint in are they, is it a true rebuild or not? Because there's, to me, there's no reason to get rid of Perez or Carrasco financially I, I don't see how that would be a need and if they try to move on from either of those guys then i think you've got to call it a, just a pure rebuild embrace the tank and uh, move on to the next year i see i don't know the carrasco thing i don't think necessarily i mean it's, it's you can't constitute a re I, to me you can't constitute and i'm from my words here because i i got i got frustrated by this this morning reading that article I think the, the the terms of rebuild is so binary. Like people look at how baseball teams operate is is very binary. At least Terry Pluto is. I'm not you know turning this into to bash any one writer show, but you're either rebuilding or you're a contender. There's no in between, and being in between kind of sucks because it means you're like a you know 85, 87 win team if you're lucky. And most years that probably doesn't get you to the playoffs. Although we think playoffs are going to be expanded next year, so maybe that does work, but. I know being stuck in the middle is not very fun, but in, ba- in baseball, that works a little bit better than like the NBA. Nobody wants to be stuck in the middle because you're not good enough to draft a, a franchise talent. You're not good enough to beat a, a number one or number two seed in the playoffs because you don't have that superstar. But that's because in the NBA, you have to have a superstar to even have the price of admission to be in the playoffs. And in baseball, you're going to have one possibly by default anyway because of the sheer number of, of players you draft and just the way things end up developing. And I, I don't think like trading someone like Carrasco constitutes a rebuild. Like to me, a rebuild looks like what the Tigers or the, the Royals, or the White Sox did where they had to trade Chris Dale and Adam Eaton and Justin Verlander and um, you know, everybody they could to restock the farm system because the farm system had been barren from attempts to win the World Series, you know, acquiring Ben Zilberis and Johnny Cueto and David Price and, um, you know, all, all those other moves they made. The Indians haven't done that. Like, yeah, they traded for Edwin, or traded for Andrew Miller, and I guess that was really kind of it because they didn't give up much for Joe Smith or uh, How dare Dave you. Bruce. But <laughs> I'm sorry. To, you know what? You know what? Uh, Thomas Pannone's a mildly oh, free agent. Oh, it's like Taylor. Taylor. <laughs> Samad Taylor's still around. You're right. He was my wife's favorite player. When we used to, like, he was such a kooky guy. Uh, very expressive. <laughs> a very fast, fun. Like He was a very entertaining player. We missed. Well, I think he's still hanging around the Blue Jays. I, I could be well, wrong. As soon as someone goes to Florida, they're dead to I think me. he is. 
And yeah, I know Pannone is, is is definitely out of the organization. He's a free agent, but like I, he I signed think, with uh, with the Angels. Who did? Pannone. Okay, so Pannone's got a team. Good for him. <laughs> so he can be well. That's 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 a great fit for a team that needs anybody to throw five innings. That'll work out well for him. So, but like I, I don't see a rebuild if the Indians were to go out and and. Like there's been some unsubstantiated. I can't even talk tonight. I'm just, this is one of unsubstantiated conversation about how the Indians are willing to listen on Jose Ramirez. Like maybe in two years from now, his deal expires or after the 2023 season. So maybe then, but or maybe after 2022. I don't know if there's a season. They do this every winter. They do this every winter where. You know, they're listening on Corey Kluber. They're listening on, on Francisco Lindor and anybody. Until it gets to that, that point of no return, they, they maybe feel like they're forced to trade them because of the team finances. If the Indians were to go out and trade Shane Bieber and, and Jose Ramirez this winter, I would definitely tell you it's a rebuild. There's no doubt because you're trading away the two best players in your team that you're building around for the next three years. But that would be like, that would be a rebuild like over the long term. You can do a one season rebuild where you're just trying to be like, okay, we don't care if we win it all this year. Let's move on from the guys who are contracted through 2021, but maybe not 2023, and still keep guys like Ramirez. And that's like the the biggest one to me is Perez because they have at catcher who's played in Double A AA or Triple A essentially except Perez and Hedges. Like, there's nobody else who could fill in there. So they would have to then also bring in somebody new to play, and you should owe some loyalty to this guy who has really done a lot for the franchise over the last five years. I agree. I, I think it, it would suck to trade Carlos Carrasco because of all that, and, and I, don't, I don't think he, he's making under-market value compared to what yes, he should be but getting. I about Perez. And he did that on <laughs> – Okay, well, Perez. Well, same for Perez. I'm sure Perez has got more well, money. Well, but the thing with Carrasco is you could actually replace him internally and argue that you're going to get equal right. value. Perez, you cannot replace internally and argue that you're going to have equal value. There's nobody. Yeah, Austin had. I mean, Austin had just defensively is probably just. But as you need good, two. But, <laughs> you uh, need at least two catchers. You do need two. You do. Need two. <laughs> Offensively, Perez has had one good year at least where he started full-time and played really well, whereas Hedges has never really ever reached his potential offensively. So I, I get that. Although it seems if you're going to run a payroll under $100 million or $80 million, it kind of seems stupid to pay two catchers $8 or $9 million. Like you might, if, you're going to, if you're going to be cheap, at least be smart about how you allocate your resources. Don't, don't pay $9 million for two catchers. Like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So – I don't know how what kind of market Austin Hedges is going to have, but I can at least see the the strategy behind that. If you're forced to operate your budget that way, and it's stupid to allocate those resources, but like you said, Carrasco they can kind of replace internally, and and I think it's just a moral yes, problem by trading. And, and I want to say on Carrasco, I, I follow him on Instagram, and that guy is living the best life you could possibly live. He's like in Africa. <laughs> He's in South America. This guy is flying yeah. all over the world with his wife and kids and just like that's what you should do. You survive cancer, you make millions of dollars, you should go around the world to the greatest places to see 
you know, live, live it up. And oh, he's done it. Yeah. He did it last year as well in, in the post season. So follow Carlos Carrasco on Instagram and get some uh, <laughs> nice picks from around the world. <laughs> now I'll, I'll play the devil's advocate on Roberto Perez. He'll be 32 years old and he's coming off of two, two seasons where he was injured this past season, obviously, he didn't perform at the plate, and I don't know that we can count on him returning to prior form with that all-star caliber offensive numbers. And you have a, a backup catcher behind him in Austin Hedges, who is actually better defensively, which is arguable, but he, he's at least you're, – you're talking two of the top five defensive catchers in the game right there. I know Hedges can't hit from a team, but he is still one of the best defensive catchers in the game. Um you can replace Perez by signing a free agent. And of course you're going to have to spend a little money or bring in a, a young backstop in a trade with Salendor or Carrasco. If you move them, I, I think the thing is differentiating this from a rebuild and a retool is even moving three players potentially is that you have core players in place like Shane Bieber, Zach Plesak, Savali, Krinchak, class A, if he is what we think he could be, um, Jose Ramirez, Ramil Reyes, if he becomes what we think he could be. You know, so you already have core pieces in place, and then you're going to be counting on the farm system to produce. And players like Nolan Jones, who are me, who are reaching their maturation, I can't talk. Justin's rubbing off on me. <laughs> um, but Jones is reaching his maturation. Tyler Freeman is not going to be too far behind. Owen Miller should be ready soon to, to contribute in some way, you know, and at some point, you have to see what the, some of these younger guys can do before saying, "Hey, we've got a better, better, you know, a veteran player, Mike Freeman, for example, that cannot perform them, and just you know, awarding them the position." Um, so I, I'll say this and to say, um, you know, I, I think you can go out and sign somebody like Tony Walters, who could be a, a solid defensive backstop, cheap, and. You know, Perez, maybe you clear $5 million, and that's money that you use to sign back uh, uh, Hernandez, for example. You're heartless, and you would trade Perez to Texas if Einar Diaz was available. <laughs> oh, no. Einar Diaz. Didn't Einar Diaz have to no, Travis no, he came, Okay, He that, came to he the did. Indians for Sandy Alomar. <laughs> they traded him to Texas for Sandy Wait, no, no, actually, actually, I went to Joey Gallo back. I thought, yeah, I was just gonna say, wasn't wasn't an Enar Diaz and Ryan Drees to to Texas? That was how they got for... after, but they traded Alomar first. Enar Diaz, I didn't remember That's, that. I, wow. I, well, hey, if 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 Roberto Perez gets some Joey Gallo, I'm all in. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> hey, maybe we can get Carter Keyboom. That's that's another name. That's the other thing too. Is is again, I. I don't think the Indians are rebuilding. I think what I think what it really is, and I guess we're getting hung up on semantics of, of how you, how you want to talk about it. But to me, if you don't have a good farm system, you need to rebuild. The Indians have a good farm system, so you could, I guess you, you can call it whatever you want. Maybe twenty twenty one is okay. a, is a transition yeah, year. I think that's the issue is that <laughs> it shouldn't be a good. You couldn't. You shouldn't just keep saying we have a good farm system without slowly integrating the farm system into the big leagues. And they've done that in the starting rotation, but they really haven't done it at any other position. So like it, when you quickly integrate the minor league system, that's when you call it a rebuild is because you're talking about 
Bobby Bradley, Nolan Jones, all these guys coming up at once. Instead of last year, they should have tried Daniel Johnson and all these other guys out. You know, even Tom. Like, they should have been rotating them in last year, and they didn't. And so now you're like, well, we have to. So now that's called a rebuild. I think it's not necessarily about we're trying to win or we're trying to lose. It's about how many players are physically changing on the roster. Yeah, that, that's that's more turnover to me. Like that's not a rebuild. That's more of a. But the problem is they haven't actually played in the big leagues for the most part, or they haven't started in the big leagues where they could. Right. It would have been very easy. <laughs> but the rock. But they're not going to be. They're not going to be barren of talent. Like you're still going to have Jose Ramirez. You're still going to have Shane Bieber. You're still going to have Fernando Reyes. Um, you're still going to have you know a lot of your frontline pitching. If you do trade Carrasco, you're still going to have more pitchers to plug in. So. Like, yeah, there's a lot of young guys to plug in, but it's more beneficial for them to do that at this point. Because like you said, they should have done that last year. So the way, I mean, they're trying to make it so they don't ever lose 100 games. Yeah, they've been doing that very, they've done that they, very well they, you know, since Francona came to Cleveland. They, they've Right. And, and so they turn into an 86-win team next year. And then you hope that you have some building blocks to be a little bit better in 2020. Yeah, and they've been season. good enough at drafting that you don't have to tank to get the first round pick or the first overall pick. You can do fine with the seventh to tenth round pick or tenth in order pick. Sorry, not round, but the the seventh to tenth pick in the draft. They've been doing fine. You don't need to blow the whole season to get number one or number two. Yes, I mean that, that's. It's a long road back to doing that. I don't think the fan base would support it. That's the problem. Is that I think they realize that they would not have a fan base to rely on as little as it is now if they had to go out and tank for 90, 100 losses to get a good pick and rebuild the system. So they're doing it this way, which is just fine because personally as a baseball fan, I have no interest in going to the stadium and watching a team lose 90 games. If I know they're going to be bad, I'm not – I mean – I'm a baseball fan, so maybe I would go. But, you know, if I'm, if I'm a normal baseball fan, I can't see myself committing to more than, like, one or two games a year. So what you're saying is that they should have and, tanked this year because there weren't any fans there anyway. It's too late. Now point. that if they have fans next that's, year. That's, <laughs> Although if, uh, they yeah. have, if it's not a full stadium, <laughs> they could probably get 8,000 people in there still who would come to see a 90-loss <laughs> team. I used to go to games in the early 2000s, and there were at least uh, 10,000, 14,000 people there. Well, I guess we'll get returned to that. Well, the stadium's not that old as it was when they were in, in Municipal Stadium and whatever, whatever they were drawing from, like, 2009 to 2012. I think the thing. The stadium is nicer. But, it's got yeah, better I mean, food now. It's a better place to hang out than it was from 2009 to 2012. I, I think it's... Yeah, there's no trough. They never had that in field. Uh, it's not cold. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's, it, I, I love all the renovations yeah. they've made. It's almost like uh, go hang out at the shopping center, you know, get lunch and uh, whatever. I think they can easily fill yeah. it up to a quarter capacity. With a terrible team. Yeah, then they, I, no, they right. could start I, up I, I OnlyFans. They could. There's all sorts of ways to bring extra money. <laughs> that's that's how people can buy access to watching 
the team on TV. If you can buy an OnlyFans to, to watch so. the, the team on TV. It's, I think a, it's exclusive Put the cameras content. in the locker rooms. Let's go. Oh, not well. Okay, now you're just getting That's into a hole or mental problems. I don't think we we need. I don't think bring we need back that. Eric anyway. Bedard. I think that's who it was. Oh, oh, Eric Bedard. I think that's who it was with Baltimore. Uh, they wrote some articles about it. It fits with the it fits with the only I fans thing. That. Do I want to know? That was a while ago. Do I want? To know I, that, my that brain involved? is so scrambled; it might not have been him, but I think it was. Was his wife's <laughs> name Kim? <laughs> why would I? I have no why idea. Why know that? I like to. This is a research I should have done beforehand. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna let you do that, and you can you can write something for all our readers. Yeah. Oh no, his wife is Jessica. Oh, yeah. I, I don't want right. to well, throw shame on Eric Bedard. I don't think it was him. <laughs> Okay. It was somebody, though. Okay, you figure that out. You you get back to us and you let us know, because uh, I'm I'm not going to be looking that up right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't either really because there's no news. Yeah, there's no news going on. The uh, what is it? The Nationals are talking about trading Carter Hugh, and that's an interesting. But that's the other thing too is if the Indians are going to go out and acquire anybody, it's not going to be. I don't know. It's probably not going to be Joey Gallo. I'm sorry, Willie. I don't mean to crush your dreams there. I don't. I don't think it's going to be Joey Gallo or any major players. But like someone like Carter Keeble makes a ton of sense because the Nationals don't have a good farm system, and I don't know if a Lindor or Carter Keeble swap is going to work. Is at least Carter Keeble plus, but like you can at least add a cheap player that a team is willing to give up on as a change of scenery prospect, and he fills a need for this year. And allows you to make, maybe go out and make a different return for Lindor. Like if you go out and get a, a guy like Kibu who could play second base this year, you keep, I don't know, you Chang it short or something or or whoever. You know, you could go out and trade Lindor and and get a different package, and not need an infielder back for him specifically. You can just go out. I mean, I don't know. To me, the market for Lindor is kind of dwindling too. That's the other worry worry of mine is that the national or the uh, the Blue Jays are being tied to that the Korean shortstop Kim or they could be looking at other places. The Mets, we have no idea what they're doing. Like it, it just seems like it's coming down to like one or two teams. The angels don't seem like a fit. We don't want to train to the Yankees. Like the, the, the market's so limited. So if you can go out and train to whoever and maybe get someone like you, but that's the only way I can, I can see them adding outside of the Lindor trade is, is trading for someone who's looking to clear a roster spot like Carter Keyboom and the Indians can trade from some of their prospect depth. Like, they don't need all this pitching. We've talked about it, I don't know how many times. They don't need 14 or 15 starting pitchers on the 40-man on the roster. I mean, you have Jim Carlson, he has Scott Moss, Sam Henches, and then they added Trevor Steffen, even though he's not really going to be a starter. And you have Jordan Humphreys. Like, go out and move one of these guys and get someone like a, a, a Carter Keboom and, and see if he can play for you because he's a top, he's the former top 100 prospect. And at some point, you're going to move one of these pitchers anyway because – they only have so many options and you already have so many guys ahead of them that you're not going to trade in the next three or four years. So that's the way I could see it making a move this offseason. Like I feel like this offseason has been so terrible anyway, but you're going to get a, you're going to get like a two or $3 million shortstop or second baseman. 
or you're just going to get who you get in the Lindor trade, and that's going to be the crux of the offseason. That's going to be all it is. So why not? Why not go out and trade a, a lower level, you know, mid level pitcher like a Henches or a, a Moss or a Logan Allen or somebody else and get someone like Keyboom? Because I'm sure they can make a deal with the Nationals to send a, young, a younger prospect or, or fill a need for them and get something back if they're both looking to I, Yeah, Justin, that's, uh, I, I agree. Keyboom, I saw him in 2018. He was great in the Fall League. Uh, I do have really important update. Uh, it was 2013. The pitcher was Chris Benson, and his wife's name was Anna. Oh, I remember that. So that, if you're interested in that, I, look I, up okay. the 2013. <laughs> I think it was 2013 story about Chris and Anna Benson. <laughs> if you want to get the reference that I met. I, I remember Anna Benson now. Yes, I, that name does ring a bell. Before we get too sidetracked into that, I'll, I'll touch on something that you're talking about, there, um, Justin. And I think you hit on this kind of without saying it, though. So if the Indians can't trade Lindor, what do they do? To me, the option is then to move Carrasco and Perez to equate essentially almost the same amount of money. And, you know, maybe this isn't one of those we're moving all of these guys. Maybe it's uh, we're going to move this one or we're going to move these two guys. And I think you would have a market for Carrasco, no problem. And then with Perez as well, there's a lot of clubs looking for a catcher. Um, Molina may end up leaving St. Louis. And, you know, maybe there's a potential match there with St. Louis, maybe with the Nationals. The Yankees could use an upgrade over Sanchez. You know, there's a lot of ways that that all of this could come out. Um, But I think something else that you hit on was that the depth of pitching that the Indians have, it's always an asset to have pitching. And when you have young pitching, I think you can get anything if you're willing to deal some of it. That that really is the only way. I mean, like I said, it's the only way they're going to augment the roster is is by making the Lindor trade or trading anybody or kind of waiting out to the end and seeing who is left without a, a dance partner from one of these infielders that's out there. I mean, we've talked about some of the infield options with Freddie Galvis and – I don't know, I'd have to go back to our conversations. There's there's some options out there I suppose they can go after because not everyone's going to get signed and the money's not exactly flowing this winter because that's what they want, but I don't I'll know. i it this way, Justin. Um, Scott Moss, Sam Hinges, and Meha all have one option remaining. So you have three arms that could potentially be stuck in Columbus this year all burning their last option. They're essentially rotting on the vine. You have to do something with these guys before they run out of options and they turn around to another situation like uh, Yefu Rodriguez, who they released and signed back with the Nationals on a minor league deal. You know, um, do something with this depth, make it matter, make it count, and help the, the big league club now because you have other arms who are coming up. Cody Morris, Adam Scott, Hunter Gaddis, Daniel Espino, Ethan Hankins, and, and more, you know. Um, I mean, they're just filthy rich when it comes to pitching talent. Then they added guys like Tanner Burns and Logan Allen and Mason Hickman. You know, um, that's at least 20, 23 guys deep of starting pitchers that have a have potential to impact the big leagues at some point in the next two years. Right. And, and why expose yourself to further Rule 5 issues and <laughs> they always issues do. Tradition. when you can go out? 
They, you're right. They always do. That's that's the problem. You know what? If, and if you're not gonna, if you're gonna be cutting cutting financial corners even more than they do normally, why would you not try to improve your team? Achieve as cheap as way possible, and this is this is that one is of kind of funny because I you just hear we've been hearing for two years about the, how they're going to definitely 100% trade Lindor. You know, we went through last off season thinking it would happen, then the trade deadline this year, and it was like it's guaranteed. They're definitely trading Lindor. They're not going to lose him to free agency. So it's kind of funny to hear you say, "What if they don't?" Because it like never even occurred to me that that's a possibility. <laughs> but I, it would make it. That would be a case where it wouldn't make absolute sense to trade Carrasco, free up that money, bring up one of those guys that you just talked about, possibly trading maybe, or just like give McKenzie a real shot to go at it. You know, there's plenty of guys who are. It's a brutal. It's a brutal market, and it's a brutal move to make that type of move. But I think that's what they would have to do. I think that's the. It's also brutal that to trade Lindor, though. It could be either. I mean, or. he's been the face of the franchise the entire time he's been. I Since the moment he was drafted, he's he's been the face of the franchise. Absolutely. Um, I mean, everyone who knows me knows I follow the draft, and I loved Lindor when he came out that year. Um, we ended up with a guy that I really loved in that draft, which was Trevor Bauer. Uh, but... You know, the, the good news is if he does end up leaving as a free agent, we get another year of him on the field, but they will get a compensation pick. And for Cleveland, that means a pick after the first round, the way they've been, the way that they've been drafting and the way they've been using the tra- draft pool money. I think this, it could really set up the system to be even deeper and have a lot more talent um, by that having that additional draft pick and the resources that are attached to it. Um, it would essentially move them. Let's say if they're, if they're picking at, at 20, it would give them a full space, um, essentially in the top five picks. So they would have a lot of money. They'd have an additional $2 million to spend. And, and that would go a long way into really stockpiling uh, talent, kind of like Baltimore did this year, who spent like $1.5 million on a kid in the fifth round. Yeah, he's a high schooler, but Cleveland could kind of do the same thing and they could load up the farm system system with talent if this plays out that way now I, I my preference is to get something back that impacts the team now not something in five or six years you know talking about the draft because ultimately the farm system is about feeding the big league club and you know I I think the best thing to do is to move Lindor it's become evident that they're not going to agree terms with him and you know as I said and as I wrote in that piece of a week or so ago that maybe maybe they do what they did with Sin Chu Chu and work out a three-team trade. Cleveland had to add to that deal when Chu was down to one year. So they traded Jason Donald, who ended up being a, a major league bench guy for a year or two. They traded Lars Anderson, who didn't perform for the Diamondbacks. And then they traded Tony Sipp, who ended up leaving uh, the Diamondbacks in free agency. Yeah, and, and left really field. started to perform well with the Astros. He was a good left fielder. That. <laughs> and... and and even even the uh, Incarnacion trade where they got Carlos Santana back, the Indians traded Yandy Diaz and they traded a comp B pick as well. But but Incarnacion had one year of control remaining, you know. So Cleveland had to add to that deal to get back the talent that they wanted, which was Carlos Santana and Jake Bowers, by the way. 
our feature every day. His, name isn't, <laughs> his name isn't Bobby Come on, Bradley. What are you talking about? You got the names confused. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have some timers. <laughs> it's okay. I called Eric Bedard, Chris Benson, no, the other that... way around. Yeah, Eric Bernard had a much better career than Chris Benson, I think. That's not they fair. Were both, they were both pitchers. They were both I mean, pitchers a lot of there with, there. with Baltimore, and it, that's where they get mixed up. <laughs> yeah. And they pitched at the same time. Yeah, they both they both had probably careers that weren't yeah. as good as people thought they were going to be in the long term. But I totally forgot about that. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, well, well, it makes a ton of sense. And the last last thing I note here is, is there's obviously nothing substantial to talk about. We're just, you know, concocting ways the Indians can actually improve their team that doesn't involve spending money and then actually involves somebody this offseason making some sort of move to improve their team um, besides the Mets. The Indians apparently avoided arbitration today with Nick Whitgren by giving him $2 million. And I think he was projected at, what, 2.2? So they came 2.2 in. 2.2 million. Yeah, they came in just under that, which is good. So, um, Phil Maton's projected at $1 million. I'm pretty sure they'll settle with him. Austin Hedges, who knows? And Francisco Lindor is projected to get $21.5 million, which obviously they will not pay him. So, my question to you guys is this. They've settled with Nick Wickren today, $2 million, supposedly or reportedly. Over, under, that the Indians spend money on a contract – more than a two free agent or one of those guys. <laughs> and any well, I guess technically Austin yeah. Hedges is, is due three point one million in arbitration. I don't think they're going to get him for two. Um, so let's 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 assume that Austin Hedges is back and and he gets close to three point one, so he supersedes Nick Whitgren. Okay, so over under. Let, let's say let's say Austin Hedges comes in a little under three million. Did the Indians spend more than either of those figures this this winter on a player not in the organization? It's, it's, it's about two or three million the most they spend. Is that and is that through arbitration? Do they I'm going to throw an over out there and no? say they bring in another second baseman. I agree. Oh. That's where I was going to go. I, I think that they would like to bring back Hernandez. Bringing back Hernandez would not surprise me. Yeah, just slightly over. I'm not talking way over. (laughs) I'm talking Um, four or five million, too. And I think they can wait out the market. There's a ton of of middle infield talent that's available still. And as good as Hernandez was for the Indians, um, you know, I I don't think he's quite viewed the same way on the market. Uh, I mean, we saw what he got last year, $6 million when he came to Cleveland. And he was projected at ten million in ARB. You know, I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if he comes back. Yeah, especially with I, Nolan similar. Jones is not probably going to play a skill position in the infield. Uh, Tyler Freeman isn't quite ready yet. I think they might want a stopgap guy, sign a, sign someone on a one year deal who can competently play it. They've done it many times before. And it'll solidify the. Uh, middle infield, especially if they do deal indoor. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they could get away with it if they had said Jose's going back to second and they put Jones at third and just said, who cares about his defense? We'll figure it out. I, I think that would be like a way that they could have gotten away with not adding somebody else. But if they're keeping Ramirez at third, they got to add somebody who can take over right now. Not Ernie Clement. Yeah. You know. 
at some point they'll do that. I don't know if it'll be a trade through free or free agent, but that would be my my guess for biggest money. Obviously, they're not going to spend that in the bullpen or the the rotation. So, and they're. Well, yeah, and they're, they're going to try to fill the you know, outfield with former infielders, right, but... so that's just guys in the system. I think just keep chucking <laughs> Reyes and Bowers, and <laughs> I, I think your outfield help comes in. You'd have to, order, yeah, because they, they should be looking for someone know, elite out there, good. not some also ran that they can. Brandon Barnes. <laughs> just take just take all the short staff and make short staffs and make them outfielders. That's that's what they should do. Just everybody everybody plays outfield now. There's no we don't have short stops anymore. We just we moved everybody to the outfield. That's that's the way they should go. All right, I'll I'll say over slightly. I'll say they'll spend four million on I hope it's not Freddie Galvis. I'd rather see like Jonathan VR or something. I don't want to see Freddie Galvis, but oh well. It is what it is. Um, now two hours on the name change. Dude, what else happened? I wonder. Oh, <laughs> you know what? I conveniently I, I forgot to say, bring that up. It's the funniest uh, thing to me. Somebody actually DM me like, "Hey, how are you dealing with the name change or whatever?" I was like, "They just made the same announcement they made last year and like two years ago. They keep saying the same thing. Like we're going to change it, but we're not telling you what we're changing it to, and we're not changing it yet." I, yeah, you know what? That that's my only hot take here. If you guys want to throw this out there, this is this is my only hot take. I I mean I don't want I don't really like the name Spiders. I understand why they're changing the name, and I'm fine with that. I think I I mean per, per, my personal feeling is this: I'd rather change the name and then have this conversation every year about how they need to change the name. I'd rather them just change it and be done with it, so we can focus on yeah. baseball. That's my whole thing, but. I think from a PR standpoint, they continue to blow this. Like, why why bother announcing, oh, we're going to make a name well, change, I think they get, we don't have they a name, get we're going to They get in the news. They were in the New York Times. Uh, I don't think anybody was really happy with, with the way they were hailing. I don't think anyone's like, okay, why are you why are you doing this out of plan? Like, all you're doing is opening yourself up. Like, like Paul Dolan's comment was, was, well, we can't have the name anymore. It doesn't work in, in 2020 because it's not, you know, politically correct. And you can feel about that how you want. But you're saying it doesn't work in our society anymore, but it, it works enough for us to use yeah. it one more year. Like, you can't say that and then do the other thing. Like, that's my problem here is they're not well, handling keep, it properly. It's, it's, it keeps selling Chief you're gonna We're not going to wear Chief Wahoo, just, but we're going to sell Chief say, Wahoo in the, in the team shop. Like, well, then you are. And then we're going to donate the proceeds to yeah, a no, to but it's a like Native you still American don't care whatever. That. You don't actually. You're just you know trying to save face. But I, it's just it makes no sense. They're not. They're not. They're they're doing one thing and then they're they're saying one thing and they're doing another. That's that's it's the problem. So <laughs> yes, it's just it, it's a mess. Just rip the bandaid off. If if you're going to make an announcement, just have a name. I think I think they're making it worse themselves, public relations wise. The way they're doing things. That's the only thing I could think of. I can that's the only hot take is is that if you're gonna right. do it, have a better PR show. I'm telling you, it PR got him in the news and so many people talked about it like good. we didn't just have this conversation last off season and the year before when they got the all star game. So that was twenty eighteen. They talked about it. I think that was when it was go 
it might even be earlier than that. To get the 2019 All-Star game, they had to agree to talk about getting rid of it. Right? Like, so that's we're, – we're talking <laughs> – Yeah. We're talking about, like, four years ago, or three, three to four years ago now at this point, where they were talking about it and pretty sure they were going to get rid of it. And they just keep kicking the can on this, uh, down the road, as they say. Well, I, I kind of um, hinted at maybe they've been waiting for new ownership and wanting a new ownership. Yeah, move them to Miami. And their image, so to speak. And, you know, that that, <laughs> that was... <laughs> that oh, yeah. Was, no, there's a market that can support two teams Christ, in Miami. Man. <laughs> okay. What what I'm hinting actually more toward yes. is to when John Sherman was here and there was supposed to be an agreement in place. And then if he would have bought the team, say 2022, he could have renamed them yeah, whatever he, he wanted to, the municipals or I, I and he could have kept Carlos or the admirals or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the musician, right? <laughs> they could have gotten to play opening or play the uh, national anthem every night. You know, you get a you get a bulk discount for his performances. You get a you pay him to do eighty one home they're games. Call him the Rockers are already a team that fails. Back, you know, so. you don't need to do that again. Why not call him the Crunch? True, this is true. <laughs> I like the lumberjacks. Barry? That's a good lumberjacks. one. I did enjoy that. I, I like when the monsters no, I actually went to I, I usually go every year when they do that. It's always fun. <laughs> well, I, I did too, but I, I, I'm saying I miss them. I, I miss them so much that I I still go. I like spiders. I'm sitting next to a spider. I don't like you insulting my spiders. I'm surprised. I'm like, there are no, those the things don't exist in Ohio. Name it after something that's in Ohio. <laughs> the joke is... I, <laughs> The, the funny thing is my it's high true. school we're, we're, changed we're. names and mascots when I was going there and they voted for it. And, you know, you have your serious jokes, your serious answers and your joke answers. And almost all the joke answers would still work. Uh, the zebra muscles, the walleyes, uh, <laughs> they, they'd still all fit for a Cleveland team. Of course, they went with the dragons, which was like the most boring and, uh, I don't know, anticlimactic name they could have picked. I don't. It's I think stuck. they're terrible. It's I don't know. Work. I haven't paid attention to it. They're not really good in uh, sixteen years. Well, yeah, they're not really good at anything, unfortunately. But yeah, that's how people, that's how people view Cleveland. They're not really good at anything. People hate the team, and so they might as well just name something they hate anyway to go with the fact that everybody hates the team. All right. Well, this has been a I very, really, very will positive. Will change my spirits on Lindor? Year. I think he's staying. <laughs> Really? No. <laughs> I'm trying to like bring some levity to the show. That's that's not lev- levity. That's just cool. No, with that like you would the give only fun stuff and the hope that the, naming the team the Seagulls. Did I do that one? No. Yet? You know what? If it, if like it brings Lake down Erie more water, money, I'm sure it'll make people happy. So it's a unique species. Why? 
Maybe they should just be the Cleveland OnlyFans. Oh, that's so good. the OnlyFans subscribers decide to <laughs> Let them decide the name. I mean, well, you know, you saw today the, the what was it? The New Jersey Devils are going to have the Prudential logo on their helmets. And then I think uh, there's another hockey team out there that's going to have like their sponsor oh, logo. Why awful. don't you just go with like the Cleveland Progressives? Like, oh, Progressive. Progressive already owns the stadium. <laughs> you might as well. Here, pay us an extra like $10 million a year. And we'll put your name on the oh, jersey, and it'll be the Cleveland Progressives. Like that—that's that, that, citizens' work. That's a real—that's a real major league joke, right there. It's just whatever whatever area you have left to sell advertising on, yeah. just do it, and that includes the team name. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna sell advertising on every every, they, they really miss the an outfield, opportunity going with Progressive it. instead of sure team name. Sherwin Stadium would have been so nice. Instead of, yeah, I like Sherwin that. Stadium, Cleveland Sherwins. There's there's got to be a, a competitor progressive out there that wants to pay the Cleveland Farmers. State Farms. Farmers sponsored the Falcons once. State, yeah, Cleveland. If <laughs> only fans, oh, the nice. yeah, yeah, only farmers too. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's not totally I think it different. Is. It's a lot different. <laughs> Let's end this on a light note now. <laughs> I think I you have to pay for both of them regardless. So, and and, and far, yeah. farmers kind of fits Ohio better. So, I could the Cleveland farmers could work. <laughs> I think we've rambled enough. I mean, any any final thoughts from you, you fine uh, gentlemen? Shouts out to Jefferson Yanuzi. Oh, that's right. He's he's no longer no, he's a Cleveland not. farmer, right? Um, oh, sorry. How about yeah, for yeah, a new y'all, y'all number one, dying. Uh, Ward Quillen Vasquez? I know Vasquez isn't much, but Ward Ward Quillen is a pretty fun first name. And maybe is Nick Mikolajczak is name? a good one. There's a couple. That's, that's, yeah, you know, there's that's really not much. Mekasiondon Kelkum was really, like, elite. <laughs> and when you lost him, and then you lose Jefferson Yanuzi, yeah, it's struggling. like, it's tough to make up from that in one offseason, too, to lose both those guys. Well, that's what they got to do in the Lindor trade. They have to go out and get a name that could be lead the all-names team in Cleveland. Willie, what are your – this is our last podcast of the year, so make your final thought better than Joe's. <laughs> Best wishes to everyone. I hope everyone has happy holidays, Merry Christmas, uh, whatever it is you celebrate, and Happy New Year as well. I look forward to some ball. Uh, hopefully we're talking um, tribe baseball sometime soon. Cleveland Tribe Baseball. Yeah, that won't be the name either. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you. I hope we're talking sometime soon. I hope we have <laughs> I hope we have better things to talk about in the new year, uh, whether it's on the field, off the field, um, whether it's regarding names, the players, uh, actually being able to go to games in person as opposed to watching them on TV. If you're allowed to watch the TV, um, yeah. 
All right. Thanks for jumping on with you guys and uh, have, a, have a good Christmas and have a safe new year. And to all of our readers, our followers, our fans, the subscribers, uh, same to you. Have a safe and happy holiday. We'll catch you next time. Thank you.